genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King, one Oliphant at a time. Yeah. I'm Norman Mitchell. Yeah. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I love the Oliphants. Uh, and joining us uh, this week for the last time is Joe Dorowski. We made it. Five days, five minutes of film, about eight lines of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this might be the most dialogue light week just about it's got to be close since um since uh the battle of um helm's deep yeah at the very least yeah at least in this movie i would think although there, there might be some other minutes some other some other stretches with very light dialogue that have like just frodo and sam and in mordor but this one's this is this is a light one so this this minute is uh 160 it starts with theoden hacking at nork with a sword in his <laughs> left hand this time uh and ends and heads with Theoden saying, reform the line uh, after getting real worried for a second. Yes. I because, think he's still worried. Uh, yeah. He he has just seen something he would rather not have seen. Right. Yeah, there was, uh, there was hope, and then it got and uh, has probably uh, never seen. <laughs> yeah, and the, the score is really good in this minute for that. Uh, this This hopeful music. Amor suddenly with a sword drive them to the river. Yeah, I like that. There's um like a choir, um like a very victorious choir. Um, when we have the the Rohirrim like hacking and slashing, um, and then that's juxtaposed with the um like the battle song mm-hmm. of the the Haradrim, where it's just like oh no, oh no, right? You know that sonorous horn mm-hmm. it's coming in low. Well, I mean, just like their voices. Yeah. Like they're chanting. Yeah. I I, I think it's a battle song. Hmm. This uh, It's got a rhythm to it. But yeah, Amor has a sword now. Yeah, where'd he get that? He has drawn his sword. Oh, has he had it the whole time? Um, yeah, I mean, he has a sword. You you can buy replicas of, of Amor's sword. Uh, as, as a fan of, of many large-scale franchises, being able to called. purchase a, 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 a piece of uh, merchandise doesn't doesn't always mean that it actually appeared anywhere in association with... Right. With Lord, Lord of the Rings? Uh, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty tight on that. <laughs> For like it's, two seconds. Yeah. Pretty much, if you can buy a replica of it and it's Lord of the Rings stuff, it's... It's okay. somewhere in the movies. <laughs> it, it, it was on screen somewhere. For like a second. For like a second. Because <laughs> um, we don't ever get a really good look at Amr's sword. No, we don't. And because his is, um, because uh, Amr's, the horses are facing, um, are they're, fa- they're facing outward. And Theoden's, they're facing inward. And Amr's, they're facing the same direction. Or Eowyn's? Eowyn's, they're facing outward. Oh, okay. And uh, Theoden's, they're facing inward. And Amr's, they're facing the same direction. Interesting. Like they're the the little horsies on there, they're where their cross guard would be. Yeah. On a normal, on a on a different kind of sword, uh, are all oriented differently, but they all have two horses on their sword. This is kind of weird. Like his his sword kind of looks the most awkward when you just see the hilt isolated from. Him. I love um, Carl Urban's battle face. 
it, it hasn't stopped. Screaming. It's just yeah. been the same. It's just, every time we see him, he's just frozen in that scream. It's, it's the best. Just let me see your war face, Carl. Right. You got it all day. <laughs> So they they, uh, they talk in the commentary a little bit about filming uh, stuff like this with battles on horseback, and how they had a a dummy horse that was called the phony pony <laughs> uh, that people would like bounce up and down on and swing their sword for like close up shots. Had like an articulated neck and head. Is that is that the same thing that they had? Um, had like a barrel. Uh, Liv, Liv Tyler on. Yeah, she she was on like a, a barrel harness in the back of a truck. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, this is the phony pony. It's like a more stationary thing, I think. Uh, and when it, the first time it was brought to set, apparently Peter Jackson climbed up on top of it and just like had fun for a little of while. Of course. Playing with it. Of course. Uh, you have to make sure it's safe for yeah, your actors. Right? Exactly. <laughs> like getting a sword, swinging it around, bouncing up and down. That's funny. On the phony pony. Which is just fun to say. It is. Uh, but like it, it like looked pretty real. It had an articulated neck and head and stuff. Reins to grab onto so mm-hmm. that they could do... Um, shots that weren't as close as on like the barrel rigs and stuff and like look like there's a real horse here and that's how they did some of this stuff to show the people you know at a, at a really low angle looking up at them hacking down at stuff and then they just changed to stuntmen and someone else with a sword off frame is mm-hmm. making them like defend themselves and then they fall down and they get cut and stuff so this is you know not actually people walking around whacking each other on it's, horses i mean it's convincing yeah you know, it looks chaotic, which is good, considering yeah. the, the frame of the battle. It is funny to see Aimer still screaming with a third weapon inside five <laughs> minutes. Yeah, you start with the spear, then you had the orc trident thing, and now a sword, right? He's finally drawn his sword. <laughs> All right, let's go. I love the idea of him just, like, scavenging weapons off of, off of orcs he's felled. <laughs> And then he's like, okay, I guess I got dirty with a sword. We're going to see him use another weapon right. next week. Yeah. <laughs> he's very resourceful, our boy. Yeah. He's going to have a different spear four minutes from now or whatever. That's amazing. It just it doesn't stop. Aemer, just, he's just ready to go. I like that we see Eowyn and Mary. Um... Yeah, Mary stabs a guy. Yeah, after all the discussion of <laughs> Hobbit violence, uh, <laughs> I guess... It's fine if it gets an orc, right? right? But it's an orc. <laughs> yeah. All right. I see how it is. Yep. You know, that, I mean, I wouldn't call that the most problematic thing. In this no, 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 it's not. No. <laughs> Which is unfortunate <laughs> because there's so much to love in these minutes that I've been on. But then there, there's a couple wince moments yeah. that are about to come around the corner here. Yeah. Right. Because I like the Moma Kill. I like the design of the Moma Kill. Mm. I like the design of the Herodrim. It's just... This is kind of unfortunate. I think, I mean, because it just stems from the source material. Right. It stems from the source material. It stems from like cultural, like cultural views a hundred years ago that are still, you know, not great in a lot of places. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot, a lot goes into it's colonial, a lot of it's colonialism. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That's the, that's the, the real root of it. Cause like, I don't know, making all of your, your good guys, um, fair skinned and right. blonde haired and having all of your bad guys be decidedly not right Um, especially because like i think it's some of the most like visually striking like armor design in the movies yeah as well and it's just like it's just got this other baggage on it that's unfortunate yeah yeah which we've we talked about i think um with the men of room too yeah Yeah. 
because they have like and like the men of ruin and the hardrum like they have some really striking designs because they're supposed to look so different because they're so distant from the other peoples in middle earth yeah so like it's important that they look really distinct from like the the cultures that we see all the time and those cultures are so rooted in like white western sims like symbols yeah and and uh like armors and technology that they went to you know not white culture to make it look different yeah and, and then with um, uh, when you add in the oliphants like it just feels like a really uh, exoticized version of the other that is yes like layering yes. some some yeah. issues on top of each other and, and as cassandra said like when uh, all of your hero shots have been of you know uh, the uh, fairly similar looking <laughs> bearded white men right um it th- this really mm-hmm. does stand yeah. in in uh like visual contrast so much uh to what came before um and, and like like you said it, this is rooted in a source material that's you know heading towards a century old and even in the 20 years since this film was made i think uh, well i mean knowing what they're doing with some of the uh, upcoming adaptation of some tolkien material you know people are a little more aware and willing to to work through some of these issues to to um lessen just how stark the the portrayal is in the, in this sequence right now yeah at least yeah. we can hope right <laughs> but like yeah that, that's and i and i don't think that this the decision was like i don't think the decision to do this is like was rooted in malice it's just really unfortunate right no that's what i say like like the problem stems from the source material yeah so if you're adapting like something like this and you're trying to stay as faithful to the source material as possible you run into this this problem where it's like okay at its at its core it is problematic right so me me and joe had a had a conversation of a a very similar ilk uh when i was on the protagonist podcast talking about east of west Mm. because it's a western story so there are there are tropes associated with it that we see as like problematic and rooted in like kind of racist depictions of things from other western stories yeah but they're also like really iconic of the medium right so like anytime you produce a western story you fall into some of those things and you need to how you how you deal with them like when you're writing a western is important to whether or not it comes out the other side feeling like that was a problem mm-hmm. like because the, there's, there's a lot going on with that yeah because like it's not a good look when all of your bad guys uh, are brown people, right? It's it's just not, and, including <laughs> most of the orcs. Uh, yeah, like a lot of the there's a lot of like tannish and like really dark skin orcs, and then green ones. Yeah, but I mean, orcs are another um, conversation, N- another, yes. another whole thing, yeah. right? and one um, that like even Dungeons and Dragons has recently said they're going to be working on some of those issues. <laughs> in themselves which yeah. you think like yeah okay well right. the, like there's a remove of fantasy but then you start to look at some of the language that's used to describe these fantasy races and you're like oh that that is oftentimes very uncomfortable to the way writings that you can find from the 1800s and 1900s of, of white people commenting on right. other cultures right. that they encountered as um you, you know in in the age of empire right uh you know as as they're they're moving forward and and right. a lot of that yeah. language then got shifted into the fantasy genre in part because tolkien as the father of a, a lot of high fantasy was employing some of that language and describing the foes for the fellowship mm-hmm. right because a lot of it is is from like 
older stories that Tolkien read and was emulating and pulling into the fantasy genre. Mm-hmm. But like, if we're talking about like Dungeons and Dragons in particular, like yeah. it traces its it's, you roots just keep tracing to, right, to yeah. Tolkien. Yes, and Tolkien takes his uh-huh. roots from these things. Yes, um, so and like the the orcs are a whole other bag of worms in general, just because it, it's just this this history of the the other must be must be something scary and evil mm-hmm. it's just this this yeah. this drive to other cultures different mm-hmm. from your own uh that you know it, it becomes like lessened over time as the more connected the world gets and the more that we all like interact with each other but it's still a problem and it needs to be addressed in works like this yes yeah yeah the, and and the, like Sandra was saying like adaptation um, we, we mentioned yesterday, like adaptation, uh, should be a chance to like highlight the strengths of the medium, but I think it could also be a, a chance to, to yeah. correct what feel like, um, uh, things, things that are, are like artifacts of the past, right. That, that we're, we've moved beyond because right. as a culture, yeah. Yeah. we're more sensitive, we're more aware. Uh, and, and when you're adapting, there's, yes, there's fidelity to the test text is part of the concerns, but also you're going to be making an adaptation for a modern audience. Uh, and, and so uh, I think there needs to be willingness to to leave some aspects of older texts as artifacts, not like that those texts don't exist anymore, but just saying, well, that that was for that time and that audience. And now for a modern audience, we're, we're going to be uh, right. uh, tweaking and addressing things differently. Yeah. And I mean, uh, in, in uh, I think you, you might be able to say this is to, to Tolkien's credit in a way when it comes to a lot of the main characters in his story they're not really well physically described. Like they're all intended to be like whatever you kind of need them to be in your head for the story. Isn't that just like a criticism of his strength as an author? Huh? Wouldn't that just be a criticism of his strength as an author that he didn't like bother to describe? Well, he, did, <laughs> like... he didn't, he didn't view, um, he didn't view physical descriptions as important to the, the story as what these people did. Yeah. Yeah. Like he wasn't, he wasn't interested in getting in the but, movie. But then the physical the descriptions yeah. of the bad guys, so there are uh, end up being somewhat racialized in problematic ways right right yeah exactly but he didn't he didn't bother to do that for a lot of the main characters and then he did it for the the bad guys and then well i mean because like from like at the time like your protagonist is is assumed white like white male you know so that that in itself is not not a good look yeah but because the text doesn't have a lot of those descriptions i think it's a good excuse to also like do whatever you want with that when you're adapting the work. Yeah. I think um, whenever they decide to remake this movie in the next 20 years, um, right. I hope that they play with that more. Right. Like, I don't even think necess- in this movie, in these movies, I don't think you even necessarily would have needed to do really a whole lot. What do you mean? Like, just to see more, just like more diversity in the in the cast of your protagonists would have done a lot to make it feel like less of a problem. Yes, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, like I... But like you you don't need to like you make like three of the fellowship, you you change like two of the fellowship to women and some of the fellowship to like not just being white dudes. Mm-hmm. And like you've you've taken a lot of that out of the story as far as like what's problematic about some of this. Yeah. So, yeah, that's I guess that's what I'm saying. Like whenever they remake this, I I hope that they don't feel shackled as shackled. Right to the text and they have like they feel like they can play with it a little more yeah 
like we can still well you can still like lord of the rings like obviously that's what we're doing here we like this right. property we I like love these stories yeah um but it's it's healthy to point out when something about the thing that you like is right. not so great and, all, or racist it's all, it's all bearded <laughs> white people and and one blonde woman doing all the yeah yeah doing all the heroic stuff and, and then your characters of color mm -hmm. are the bad guys and and um it's right uh it almost feels odd that this wasn't addressed at the time in in some other ways <laughs> yeah yeah this, I mean, uh, all the all the planning and pre-production and casting was all done right at the end of the '90s. Yeah, I think I'm. I think that just speaks to how far we, as like a an audience and like pop culture in general, has like come to like because now like watching these when what when we were like teenagers never would have noticed. Right. So now that we're like older and and scrutinizing it like this. Um, it's just like cultural growth. Well, at, well and, and rooting it even in the um, '90s, you you like, think back to like um, '90s sitcoms where you have you know um, so the biggest shows are like are, are like Friends and and Frasier. You know these shows set in very diverse cities, but your your entire cast is is Caucasian, right? And and it's something that right, people look right, back right. and point <laughs> and say that that's a little weird. Uh, but it it like you're saying it was not questioned at the time. It, it was the the default mm -hmm. um, assumption was that your protagonists yeah. on mainstream television on a lot of these sitcoms are going to be are are, are going to be a largely a white cast, mm -hmm. right? And you you had the flip side of that too with like shows like Family Matters and stuff in the nineties mm -hmm. as well, whereas just like these these shows in the same city where there's they they kept the casts like separate. It's like all white people in this show yeah. and all people of color in this show, yeah, which is you know weird. a problem. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like in San Francisco, in Family Matters, right? Case. Exactly. So, like, you get a, you, there's a lot of that on '90s TV, yeah. And still, mm -hmm. so on, but, on a slightly lighter note, yeah. if we want to shift the tone just a little bit, do you want to play uh, best spoken line in this one minute of film? There are three options this time. Yes, drive Let's them to it. the river, make oh, safe the city, or reform the lines. Those are our only options. They're not great. None of them are great. Oh God, reform the line. <laughs> reform the lines. <laughs> because like it's so <laughs> he's he's so um he's so frantic he's just like, like oh, he's, it, it's almost like he's biting like, the words off he's saying it so just, fast like reform the lines <laughs> like he's uh like there's uh, uh -huh. the, the panic is, is palpable you know mm -hmm. yeah we also uh in the background of this minute i just want to point out we get to see gambling in some some nice rohirrim armor yeah he's in like the leather plate style stuff like what they had in an armor wear mm-hmm well, because he got promoted. He got promoted, yeah. I like this moment. Um, aside from the uh, like all of the the racist uh stuff, um, because it places like it's such an undercutting of of the original charge, yeah, uh, of the Rohirrim. So now they are in like the place where they put the orcs, basically. Right. Also, uh, back to back to Joe at the beginning of the week and blowing my mind, uh, the Mumma Killer coming from the left to the right because the Rohirrim are trapped. Oh, Aha! Okay. See, <laughs> so, ah, they're the they're literally in the place the orcs were at the start of the week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just this reaction. I like the reaction shots of of Theoden and Aramir seeing the the yeah. kill. It's so I good. I like the the shot about um halfway through the minute where you see the outlines of the 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 Oliphants, um yeah. like in smoke. Yeah, like they're just these giant beings coming out of the yeah, smoke and there's there's dead orcs and orcs running away towards them yes 
it's a it's a good shot. And I'm pretty sure that the 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 mumak that has the the bar the big line of wire between its tusks. Yeah, it seems like the the, the orcs are getting a little too close there. <laughs> it doesn't care. They don't care. I like the one that has um like his his tusky his tusks are a little uh short so they have like extra like barbs on the ends they like have, roped to the end it's it's another it's broken off pieces of another pair of tusks from another one that's yeah like latched i to i it. like that like they're all different You'll what happened that to that guy every set of tusks on the mumakil are all different are you it is a really cool, cool design piece um like talking about the unique helmets and shields yeah. and the things that we've touched on before but that now the the olifants are going to get the same treatment of everyone being individualized mm-hmm. yeah they 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 did that like everywhere in these movies like all of these all these extras playing the the haradrim they all have like individualized armors there's different banners and little details on some of the stuff on all these like towers on top of the mumaks mm-hmm. the mumakil there's like it's all different. Everything's individualized. They put the same amount of care and detail into everything that they did. Yeah, I mean this is this is such a good moment too in the story though, like the the way that the the Oliphant show up, mm-hmm. it really is. It you get all this glorious music, the undercut, Theoden's oh damn face, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> he's like the first he's like the first one to notice. Oh well, and I, like we've we've mentioned that Crap. there's um. There's issues with the, uh, what's the group called? The Herodrim and the, the ones riding the Oliphant. So that the Herodrim, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, but the, the one who yeah. blows the horn, like that extra, he has such swagger as he's finishes blowing the horn and he's, uh, you know, heading into battle on the back of this, like so much larger than life uh, creature um, that um, it, it, there's something that's like resetting uh, of uh, like who has the upper hand at this moment. Just in the individual cue of, of mm-hmm. how yeah. uh, self assured he is, Do you, like it makes me feel like um, it's it's got Dufour energy. Oh well, yeah, Mad Max for Mad Max. Yeah, like this, like replace the Oliphants with trucks. This is a Mad Max moment. It really is. Like this is yeah. Give uh, that guy a guitar. George, George Miller, mm-hmm. right? That's the director yeah, of Mad Max yeah, movies. Yeah. Like I wonder if he, I wonder if he, if he liked this, and he's just like, oh man, yeah, give that guy a guitar. <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> Like you just give he's that guy. Just, yeah. He's just writing Fury Road while watching Lord of the Rings. Hey, I like that. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I just noticed uh, as I'm scrubbing through the minute, uh, the the Oliphants have spikes tied to their feet, uh, besides on their tusks as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is such a great little uh, detail. And, and like uh, at the start of this week, we saw like the the horses like riding through the orcs, and we talked about them mowing them down, and like the violence that just being up on the horse allowed. Uh, the riders of Rohan to to carry out against the the standing orcs, and now it's it's you, you know the the bigger gun is being brought in at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is very uh, similar in uh, structure and like escalation to the orcs setting up their catapults and then Gondor returning with the mm-hmm. trebuchets. Yeah, yeah, it's like a very similar kind of feel, but from the other perspective. Like, oh, we can go bigger. <laughs> uh, but as well. As we'll see, the bigger you are, puts up a fight. The bigger you are, the harder you fall. Yeah, still only counts as one. <laughs> is that is yeah, that next I, week? It. I don't know how it's gonna break down for you guys. It's pretty soon. I, I <laughs> coming for you. Yeah, I hope so. In the in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it's really soon. And, yeah. Um, I don't know. Overall, I think the design of the the Oliphants is really cool. Yes. Like they also have like war paint on. I um. I mean, there's more. We'll talk about it next week, though, because. I, I, the Oliphants fascinate me because they are a giant 
they're supposed they're based on giant herbivores, but they're like yeah, they're supposed to be carnivorous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like these. What do they eat? These are the true murder horses. <laughs> Just when you think about when you think about the world, like the real world. Yeah, lots what of they predators eat? eat herbivores that are larger than them. Mm-hmm. What do these eat? What do they eat? Where? Do... What do they hunt? Are they the top of the food chain? <laughs> like they gotta be, right? Right. How did human beings survive in Harad with these things? <laughs> Befriending them. They must be very nice yeah. to their olifants. <laughs> have you domesticated olifants here? I guess. <laughs> or do you just like, you got to sneak up on one when it's sleep and leash this tower to it and then just hope for the best. This is my olifant now. It's like breaking a horse. <laughs> but it takes like 400 guys in a tower that you stick up top. 150 of the guys come back. Because like, <laughs> we did it. Right? Yeah. We got one. <laughs> They're trying to get a pregnant one so they can raise baby mom- oh, yeah, kill. Yeah. Every now and then someone's like, is this really the best use of our resources? Like losing 300 guys to get one olive Yes. Look at them. They're majestic. Yeah, right? Have you seen that thing? <laughs> if, it, if, if, if it was a building, we could all live inside of it. <laughs> Look at this thing. It's like... They are they are literally as big as almost any building we see anywhere in Middle Earth. Yeah, maybe not Minas Tirith because that's a whole. They're city, like as tall but... as the wall, though. Are they? Yes. Yeah. They're taller than the catapults and the siege towers that the orcs rolled up with. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. These things are like eighty feet tall. All right, I'll allow it. And they got one <laughs> little guy standing on them, like pulling on ropes attached to their ears to steer them. And then all the other guys with bow and arrow. That's some trust. <laughs> right, like this guy is standing outside. Of, the guy with the horn is standing on its, like, on its head, on its, his own little stand, yeah. separate from the tower. He's like the doof warrior. He is yeah. very exposed. <laughs> He's the leader, I, and, I would say. Yeah, and yet, no one comes for him. Well, no. I don't know if we see There's that guy lots. go down. Uh, I think oh. Agamer takes him down. I don't know. I mean, Legolas kills, like, all 200 guys riding one of these. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll pretty easily. See, I guess. <laughs> Not a problem for the the resident Superman and, and the fellowship. So I've ridden a horse once in my life, I and physics. I just remember feeling like this is not for me mm-hmm. because I feel like the horse is in control. Like I, the horse is going to go where it wants, and I know there are certainly plenty of people who can ride horses comfortably. I'm not one of them. Riding one of these things, I think would I'd have that feeling times a thousand. Of, of I'm not in control. <laughs> like, just orders of magnitude yeah. higher. Yeah. This is one of the best reveals in the whole trilogy, I think, though, as far as, like, a threat looming on the edge yeah, of the fight. Yeah, It's just, it's it's set up so well. And when you're watching the, uh, when you're watching the extended editions, it's a good tease for seeing the Oliphant earlier and then seeing, seeing one earlier and just all, all this stuff going on around it to try to take it down. Are there hooks in their ears? Yeah, for the reins. That's so sad. Because there's no way that you could have reins that right, someone could yeah. control hooked to its face, bitten so bridle style. Poor babies. So you just poor, like tug on its ear to get it where you want to go. big, bloodthirsty babies. <laughs> right? Do you think Shadowfax huh. would take one in a fight? He is the lord of all horses. <laughs> I don't know. Perhaps he could talk one down. <laughs> he might be able to to run fast enough to like, um, get it off balance. Oh, he, he takes it down uh, Luke. <laughs> I was uh, about to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. style. Like, uh, like we're about to see Eowyn do. You know, in that really old movie. Yeah. That really old movie. Oh my gosh. You're referencing a reference movie. at this point. Like, the... 
Yeah. We're, we're in a fun house of pop culture references of mirrors just pointing at each other. They never stop with me. I just, it's everything. That's go everywhere. True. Yeah. It's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, thank you for joining us all week, Joe. It's yeah. been a blast. Uh, as it's always been whenever I've been a guest oh, on well, show. well, thank you for remembering the request I made probably two plus years ago when I was on the Fellowship Minute uh, that I wanted uh, <laughs> Greasy Denethor. And, and now I've had the chance to, to talk about it for an entire week. There you go. <laughs> uh, all three of us are from DuelingGenre.com, where you can also find the Protagonist Podcast. Uh, if you search around on social media on Twitter, you will also be able to find them at the Protagonist Pod. And uh, on Facebook, you can find their listener group. So make sure you go give them uh, go give them a listen. Uh, their show is really great. Mm-hmm. And if you want to listen to more Movies by Minutes podcasts, you can go to MoviesByMinutes.com to find a near-complete listing of all of those. And we'll be back next week to keep talking about the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Yep, we sure will. For a while. More than a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.